Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 13. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 13. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Many of Solomon's Proverbs deal with the issue of how the man of God should use his tongue. And such a one we have here in this verse. Now, concerning the word talebearer, the original Hebrew speaks of one who goes about trading in slander, just as a merchant goes from place to place to sell his wares. So it is a strong word, referring to one who traffics in malicious comments, who regularly deals in abusive words, attacking others. Such a one is a slanderer. Now in Leviticus 19 and verse 16, we are told, Thou shalt not go up and down as a tale-bearer among thy people. And then added to that is, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart. So we see the distinct connection between what one says and what is going on in one's heart. In Ezekiel 22 and verse 9, the sins of Jerusalem are being described. And there we read, In thee, in Jerusalem, are men that carry tales to shed blood. And in thee they eat upon the mountains. In the midst of thee they commit lewdness. Eating upon the mountains refers to idolatry carried out on the tops of hills. The people of Jerusalem then were also guilty of being slanderers who gave false witness in order to shed blood. In thee are men that carry tales to shed blood. And so there's so much emphasis in God's word upon the need to avoid the malicious slandering of others. A talebearer revealeth secrets. Uh, in the original language, secrets is in the singular. And it means not so much something that no one else must ever know, but rather that which has been privately discussed between two parties and which was not intended for further dissemination. One may have confided in another some intimate and sensitive information which it was necessary to impart, but which was not then for further circulation. It is not that it is secret per se, but that it is private counsel which it would be unwise, harmful, troublemaking and even malicious 
if it were passed on. It may be information that is only a rumour and which cannot be verified in fact. The previous verse here has just spoken of the need to avoid malicious speech. And so how God carefully is listening to how we use our tongues. The previous verse has said, the man of understanding holdeth his peace. So he avoids making rash statements with his mouth. He deliberately refrains from uttering hurtful words. And even when we know that we are in the right, we still have to refrain from uttering hurtful words. And so Solomon in this verse 13 is is carrying on from verse 12. A man of understanding holdeth his peace. And in the same context, a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. And, and the particular focus here is on the slanderer's unwise use of sensitive information which could harm the reputation of others. Those who use their tongue in a malicious or even mildly harmful manner towards others are defying the commandment of God that we should love our neighbour as ourselves. Now, our words reveal what we are really like on the inside. Just as we immediately know from someone's language or accent uh, whether or not they are foreign, so it sometimes only takes a few seconds to be in someone's presence and to immediately know by their speech that they are not born-again Christians. And that they have hearts uninfluenced by the grace of God. That they are devoid of the Holy Spirit. The tree is known by its fruit, said our Lord. Just as bad fruit tells us that it is a bad tree, so slanderous, malicious words reflect a heart alienated from God. He who has a foolish heart will inevitably speak foolishness. Just as the unhealthy tree cannot bring forth good fruit. The true Christian will because his heart tells him, avoid words which imply malice or hatred. Now, it is, of course, often necessary to make legitimate criticisms of others. But the regenerated heart will do this in a restrained way, which does not suggest personal malice or vindictiveness or a sense of self-righteousness. 
In Isaiah 32 and verse 6, we are told, the vile person will speak villainy and his heart will work iniquity. So our words are a barometer of our hearts. We must realise the enormous significance that the word of God places upon the use of our tongues. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ told the Pharisees. Matthew 12, verse 34. Ye offspring of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. The good man, out of the good treasure, bringeth forth good things. And the evil man, of his evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. And I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. We show by our words what we have got treasured up in our hearts. We reveal by our speech whether or not we have the counsel of God treasured up in our hearts. Our Lord further states in Matthew 15 and verse 19, the things which proceed out of the mouth come forth out of the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart come forth evil thoughts, murderers, adulterers, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders, So the Lord again establishes a distinct connection between a bad heart and the sins of the tongue. Slanders, he says, come forth from the heart. The Lord also explains how the horrific crime of murder emanates likewise from the heart. When our Lord was expounding the true meaning of the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, he taught that men can break this commandment even by the way in which they speak. Because the spirit of malicious speech is the same spirit as that of murder. In respect of the malice which is harboured in a person's heart, the hateful word and the act of murder actually emanate from the same source. And that is a shuddering thought. Someone might say, well, I would never kill anyone or be uh, very pleased with themselves that they'd never been guilty of an act of physical aggression, but 
If they're using unpleasant, hurtful words, they are actually of the same spirit. And so the use of the tongue is no secondary issue in the Christian life. And we're not dealing here with matters of social etiquette. We are dealing with the state of a person's heart before the Holy God. And also in a Christian context, we are not thinking about people deliberately using spiritual sounding language, which can also be rather tedious and which may have a motive of drawing attention to oneself. But we are talking about speech which is wholesome and honouring to God. Let us just look at that passage where our Lord makes the connection between malicious speech and the spirit of murder. Matthew five twenty one. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, the term of abuse, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. And so the Lord is expounding the spiritual nature of the sixth commandment. When a man uses his tongue to express malicious contempt, this is actually a sign that he has removed God's counsel far from him and that he is in fact liable to God's just condemnation because he is expressing a hateful and an even a murderous spirit by the way that he speaks. The commandments of God address our inward disposition, not just our outward deeds. The commandments of God are aimed at the lusts of our hearts, not just at our actions. The commandments of God are aimed at that which impels our actions. Christianity is the religion of the heart, not just of outward performances and rituals and ceremonies. Now, in the previous chapter, Solomon specifically put the tongue and the heart alongside each other. He says in chapter 10, And verse 20, chapter 10, verse 20. The tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. So in the very same sentence, tongue and heart are put side by side. 
He also says in verse 18 of this chapter 11, the wicked worketh a deceitful work. Why? Because he has a corrupted heart and those deceitful works will include the use of the tongue. And if we look at verse 18 of chapter 10, verse 18, chapter 10, he that hideth hatred with lying lips and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. It is the fool who removes God's wisdom far from him. And so we see there that the way a man speaks, he that uttereth a slander is a fool, one who has an unregenerate heart, one who has nothing to do with God's revealed wisdom. And so the use of the tongue in order to slander another is a blatant rejection of the commandment of God. The slanderer has a corrupt heart, as do all fallen men. Because he lacks the wholesome restraints of the indwelling Holy Spirit, he is often quick to repeat his malicious words. The born-again Christian, however, should be totally different from this. James 1 verse 19, James 1 verse 19, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Again, if we go back to the previous chapter here, Proverbs 10 verse 19, we are told, in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. And so one of the marks of a work of grace in the heart, of new life in Christ, is that a man thinks before he speaks. He thinks about the possible repercussions of his words. And the Christian speech will always reflect the desire in the heart to keep the commandments of God. The Apostle Paul tells believers in Colossians 4 and verse 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Always with grace, seasoned with salt. Salt. Salt has a purifying effect. There should be something lovely about the Christian speech. Not forced and deliberately pious, but something lovely and wholesome. Something that reflects that we really are the children of God. And so, as we have said, we are certainly not referring to the continual use of conspicuously pious language, simply for effect. 
but rather we are thinking of our resolve to love God with all of our hearts and to love our neighbours as ourselves. That should be reflected in the way we speak. We must avoid nastiness of speech. We must season our words. Salt prevents meat from corrupting. It also makes the meat more pleasant to the taste. Likewise, the Christian speech should be salty, wholesome, pleasant for others to taste. It must be appropriate to the occasion. Some words may be suitable on some occasions, but not on other occasions. We must be thinking this through. And all this does not, of course, mean that we must always pretend that everything in the world is wonderful. Of course not. That we must never speak of unhappy or tragic events. That we must never criticise or denounce wrongdoing. We have to do that. But even as we do that, we must ensure that our speech is productive of an ultimate good. That it is glorifying to God, such as we shall not be ashamed of it on the day of judgment. We do have to denounce evil. That's a duty and an obligation upon us. Uh, Many today, even within the churches, uh, foolishly think that you have to be tolerant of evil in order to be a Christian, which of course is nonsense. We must denounce sin. But we must do that, of course, without malice. So, We are told in this verse 13 here, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. The man of a faithful and upright disposition conceals the words imparted to him in private conversation, not intended for onward transmission. Or if the onward transmission would unnecessarily cause trouble. He that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. The spirit refers here to our heart, our inward disposition. So again we are confronted with the heart-speech connection. He who has a faithful spirit or a true heart, if he has received sensitive information, perhaps which slanders another, or even just mildly negative comments about another, he conceals the matter and does not pass it on. He suppresses any temptation to slander his neighbour or to create a situation which would lead to possible dissent and division with third parties. 
We read in this regard in Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16, verse 27. An ungodly man diggeth up evil. But in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife. And a whisperer separateth chief friends. And so we see how careless words can destroy friendship. That is how serious a matter it is. He that is of a faithful spirit takes great care not to break by his words. The second greatest commandment concerning the need to love one's neighbour. So the resolve must be not to do anything to the neighbour which one would not wish done to oneself. The man of God then will hold his peace. As the man of understanding in the previous verse here. The man of God will realise the devastating power of the tongue to wreak havoc if it is not controlled. The Christian must understand that everything which he has heard might not necessarily be absolute truth. When Paul counsels Titus on what to teach the brethren, he says this, Titus 3, verse 1 and 2. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man. Now, Paul lamented the situation in the unruly Corinthian church. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 20. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would. Lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. Now where those sins are present we have the situation to which Solomon is referring here in Proverbs 11 and verse 13 where talebearers or slanderers reveal what they should not reveal and where men fail to conceal and suppress malicious words but rather give full vent to the corruption of their hearts The true Christian, however, is one who has a new heart. And this will be manifested by his manner of speech. The true Christian has a heart upon which are inscribed the very commandments of God. He will speak in the fear of God, knowing that the Lord hears every word. And will judge all that is unworthy. The Lord hears even the words we utter under our breath. He hears them. So what care we must take to cover up harmful words. 
never giving them the chance to appear. James 3, verse 2. If any stumbleth not in word, the same is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body also. And so there James tells us that the ability to control the tongue is a sign of having achieved a very good level of holiness generally. He who controls the tongue will have become proficient at dealing with all other sins in his life. So to cover up, to suppress foolish and malicious words is a mark of real Christian maturity. It shows that a man is of a faithful, true and upright spirit that he really is born again. Again, looking at that passage in James 3, James 3 verse 4, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, or rudder, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member. It's a tiny part of the whole body. And it boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. It only needs a spark to set off a forest fire. And that is exactly what the tongue is light, like the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. And so how Satan can use the careless words of unthinking men. What endless unforeseen trouble can be stirred up by a careless use of the tongue. Relatively, it's just a tiny part of our bodies, just as a ship's rudder is in relation to the whole ship. Yet the helm, the rudder, determines the ship's course across a vast ocean. So the tongue, despite its tiny size, exercises an enormous influence. It can determine the course of great events. The tongue, as we have said, can be as harmful as a raging forest fire, which quickly spreads when fanned by the wind. And so many different types of evil can be encompassed in the wrong use of the tongue. Wicked speech can inflame all kinds of sin and passion. Let us remember that Satan himself is called the father of lies. When people lie, they are emulating the devil himself. James 3, verse 8. James 3 and verse 8. 
The tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men. What an unseemly contrast. A man one moment is worshipping God and the next minute he's running down his neighbour with his tongue. So the word of God tells us that the tongue is actually completely uncontrollable, unrestrainable, except that is by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Only when one is born again can one learn to truly control one's speech. And this is why a true Christian should especially be characterised by the way he speaks. We learn the true spiritual condition of a person's heart as we listen to his or her conversation. A talebearer revealeth secrets, that, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Those who use their tongue in a malicious manner towards others are defying the commandment of God to love one's neighbour as oneself. Slanderous, malicious words reflect a heart alienated from God. Those who can willingly use malicious, hateful words are actually of the same spirit as those who commit murder. That is how serious the sins of the tongue really are. The commandments of God address the inward disposition of our hearts, not just our outward deeds. The one who is of a faithful spirit will always think before he speaks. His speech will reflect the desire to keep all God's commandments. His speech will be productive of good. It will be glorifying to God. He who controls his tongue will also be proficient at dealing with all the other sinful passions of his fallen nature. How we must not be like the talebearer, the slanderer, who foolishly reveals what is better left unsaid. How we must restrain and carefully choose our words. Endeavouring to glorify God and bring benefit to others by what we say. Our speech should be like salt. It should have a wholesome, purifying effect on others. We should be bringing benefit to others by how we speak. Our tongues expose the true state of our hearts. Let us remember what our Lord himself taught. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof on the day of judgment. For by thy words 
thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Amen. Amen.